0: This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. I am Steve Teal. This is The Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Always an honor to. Join you each and every Saturday on KSLR AM 630, every Thursday, right here on Facebook Live. And of course, for our podcast listeners, just thank you for being a blessing to us. These are some weird times. That's an understatement, isn't it? These are strange times, uncertain times, unprecedented for my lifetime and probably for most of yours. Today, I want to share some of my feelings and thoughts, as well as a few practical things. Ten, in fact, because if you focus on remembering ten things, good luck with that, right? Your energy will be distracted from some of the fears, anxieties, and concerns. So we're going to walk through, and just hold on a second. These ten things should help us navigate the uncertain waters we are in. You know me. Of course, my thoughts are informed by my faith in Jesus. If they're not, I'm in trouble They're also colored by the design of my personality that I believe God as the artist decided I would be. And my feelings today are also impacted by my experiences, including going back to Southern California where we lived through some earthquakes, some riots, some fires, some mudslides. But at the end of this, I will give you a more in-depth 10 practical ways to deal with these uncertain times. But here is the preview if you choose not to sit through or sift through all of this. So here are your action words for today. Number one is remember. Number two is praise. Number three is read. Number four is listen. Number five is pray. Number six will also be pray, but for something else, and number seven is pray. And number eight, nine, and ten will be go, obey, and do. Not only those ten things I've just given you up front, I'll also give you the scriptures that my heart has been going to these last few days. And that also color this message as well. Uh, as a spoiler, as well, you'll have the heart of my message in the next four minutes, and you can get back to work, or Netflix, or Disney Plus, or trying to homeschool the kids. Then I will tell you why I think this is happening. And first, here are some of the scriptures that inform and inspire my message today. First Timothy two one to seven. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. I've noticed that a word that's going to continue to come up in these scriptures is all. So listen to that. For kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time, and for this purpose, I was appointed a herald, a preacher, and an apostle, and I am telling the truth. I am not lying and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. That's one scripture. Another one, Romans 8. in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved— But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And verse 28, you know it so well, and we know that in all. All things, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. And another scripture: This is all up front for you, Luke thirteen one to five. Now there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices, meaning that Pilate had them killed. Jesus answered, do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no, emphatic, he says it. I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Jesus brings up in verse four, or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. And finally, Luke twenty, uh, Luke chapter 10, 26 to 29, one of the most famous stories ever told in human history starts with this. We're not going to get to the Good Samaritan, but it starts with this. An expert in, in the law comes to Jesus and, and asks him, um, what must he do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, how do you read it? And, uh, Jesus says this, verse 26, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? And verse 27, the man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said this, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. And what leads into the Good Samaritan story in chapter 10, Jesus, it says that the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells this incredible story of the Good Samaritan. Those are your scriptures. Those are your 10 action words for today. Now, I want to give you some of the background. I want to start with why this is happening, and those scriptures informed what we're talking about. I'm not meaning the science part. I'd, I'd rather go to the backstory to the bigger cause behind such devastating and scary things. This is not a flash, but as a reminder, we live on a planet that is broken. That's what that Romans 8 scripture is referring to, a frustrated creation that groans out. Now, we broke it. We broke it. It may sound too simplistic for many, but after all, I do call this Bible study the Simple Man Bible study. Why are there things like this? Sickness, disease, viruses, suffering. You know, you can think of so many different ways that we suffer, that there's suffering in this world. Simply put, there was not. There was none of those things. God created, and it was perfect, untainted, unstained, exquisite, and beautiful, and all things right and peaceful. God stood back, as you know, repeatedly admiring the beauty of a perfect creation with a, ah, this is good. Can you picture God the Father, the Creator, with a smile on His face? He's an artist. He's just enjoying what he's done. It's perfect. This is good. And then this is really good. And this is very good when it came to the jewel of God's creation, you and me, humanity. A key point to recall, even though we all get it, is that God was never caught off guard by what happened. God is never in shock. God is never punked, never surprised. God is bigger, smarter, more loving, more just, more perfect than you or I are even capable of imagining. It's not even close. God is not surprised, therefore, by what we are experiencing today. God will not be surprised or shocked by what will happen tomorrow. However, When we first rebelled against God, we broke not just trust with God, not just broke that relationship with God, we broke everything. When you break trust or hurt a relationship, there are consequences. When you break something, it doesn't work. And again, though I know it may sound way too simple for some, I believe that Adam and Eve had free will and freely chose to believe the lies of a deceiver, the accuser, the tempter, the one we call Satan. And when they made that decision, it broke everything. Every human being since that point, with one single lone exception, that is Jesus Christ, our mediator, fully divine, fully human, with that one exception, everyone else has been infected with something worse than a physical virus. We've been infected by this brokenness and the spiritual gene of disobedience. So with this one exception, every person has been tainted and stained and poisoned by that. Through that brokenness virus, we are inclined to choose our own way rather than God's. And that's where you get your selfishness, hatred, abuse of power, racism, lust, envy, coveting. God's book, the Bible, it says, and I'm going to paraphrase here, there is no one righteous. Meaning all are guilty, all have sinned, all have disobeyed, all have chosen their own way. That's the universal virus that we were born into. Thanks a lot, Adam and Eve. Now I'm kidding on that part. Having free will, having the accuser and having his lies before me, I would have fallen for it. Even if I was starting off just perfect and all good, I would have fallen for it. Don't kid yourself. You would have too. We still do today. It just comes even easier to us to fail because of that stained heart and corrupted version of ourselves. That decision, though, the Adam and Eve failure has impacted all of creation, introduced physical death, and more important, introduced spiritual death. That status of us being out of relationship with a loving, gracious, merciful creator. It broke to some degree everything. Something happened that day in that rebellion. All creation was tainted and impacted. So to some simple degree, yes, the death and sickness was not a part of God's creation, but due to free will and consequences, it was all broken. So, however, recall that God was not surprised nor was he surprised by the one that we refer to as Satan, meaning the accuser, the evil one, the devil. God was not surprised by his act of treason, sedition, rebellion, and war. Now, we don't have a ton of background on the accuser's rebellion, but because we have seen in our own lives corruption and jealousy and power-hungry people, it's not hard for us to imagine that Satan wanted what God had. The adoration, the worship, the power. Satan, the accuser, rebelled, turned a bunch of angels against God, and we've been living in a supernatural war ever since. But God cannot be blindsided. God was not blindsided. God will not be God knew the accuser would rebel, knew the accuser would tempt, and yes, allowed it to happen because God wanted to reveal the full extent of his love. God would send the Son, co-eternal, co-creator, one day to rescue us from this messed up, broken existence and life, to set us free from our rebellion, to offer us the free opportunity to join the family, adopted Forgiven, empowered, promised. Now, I I know I'm telling 99% of you, um, I'm not telling you anything new, anything you don't know, but sometimes it's just good to remember regardless of who you are or how well you know God or how tight you are. So yes, you know it's a free opportunity for us, but you, of course, know it is free to us, but cost somebody everything. The son of God, Jesus, the Messiah, he paid the price. He paid the price. He took the anger, took the wrath of God on his own shoulders. Every sin piled up upon him, all the guilt and all the shame. He took our place for us because he loves us. He came in the form of a humble servant and lived the hard life, the hard life. But for him, Jesus, still the perfect life untainted, not poisoned by broken human nature as we are. Jesus did what Adam and Eve failed to do. listened to God, the father's instructions and commands and followed it every single time. You know what sin is? Sin is missing the target. That's actually the Greek word literally is just amartia is just missing the target. Jesus of Nazareth never missed the target. So what's the target? Oh, remember the scripture earlier? The man said it. The expert in the law said it. To love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. Now, it sounds easy when you just read through it. Just like that man, it just sounded easy. Like, oh, I love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Come on, wait a second. Wait a second. You love God with all of your heart, all of your soul. All of your strength, all of your mind kind of sounds like always, every single time putting God first, every time you can't do it. If you think you're already doing it, loving God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your strength, all of your mind, set. then you're lying to yourself. You've put yourself in the place of God if you believe that. I really shouldn't even have to get to the second part of Jesus' teaching that says the second greatest command is similar to the first, love your neighbor as yourself. Go read the rest of Luke 10 and the Good Samaritan later. Jesus did it. His motives were always on target. His actions were always on target. His thoughts were always on target. His words as well. Was he tempted like we are? Ah. Aren't you glad he was? He was tempted in every way that we were and yet remained perfect, as it says in Hebrews. Was he tempted? Absolutely. Did he hit the target when tempted? Every single time. Sinless perfection. So then, when Jesus came and walked this planet 2,000 years ago, he not only was on target all the time, always obedient, always in sync with God the Father's heart, Jesus was also revealing God the Father's heart. You know, he said several times, if you look at me, you're seeing the Father. Any word I say is from the Father. He was completely in sync, so he was revealing who God really is like. This was a big aha moment for those who understood. Oh, that's what God really thinks? Wait, wait, God really enjoys people? God loves people? Because that's what they saw Jesus doing, hanging out with everybody, anybody, everybody, giving them love. And for them to realize, wait, God seems to not only enjoy these people, God seems to really be compassionate and kind to them. That's Jesus revealing God's heart. So you have God revealed. Part of that revealing of God is also Jesus doing such things as healing people from physical sickness and healing people who were tormented by evil spirits. That revealed, this is so important, that revealed that God's plan is to reverse this planet's great sickness to undo all the messed up stuff that is in this world, not just the sickness, but the hatred and the anger and the jealousy, all of it. When Jesus came and he drove out demons, he was saying, look, the kingdom of God has come. This is what it looks like. Evil is driven away. When he healed, he was saying, look, this is how it's going to be. There's going to be complete healing one day. There's going to be complete wholeness one day. Well, then, why do we have this stupid virus? Or why is someone that I love dealing with cancer or leukemia or brokenness? Why, why, why? Because though the victory of Jesus Christ is secured, it is certain the battle still rages on for now, for now. The game, you know I'm a sports guy, the game is well in hand for Jesus Christ. It is one. It is certain, but there's still time on the clock. So if you were competing with someone who hated you, who was a bitter rival, if you were playing a basketball game or a football game and they hated you and you were just on the field crushing them and you just had a huge lead, but they hated you, it was a real rivalry then what are they going to do? They're going to resort to just any kind of dirty tricks. They know they're going to lose the game, but they're going to try to hurt you. They're going to try to harm you. I've seen games like that where they get out of hand and they turn into fights and it gets it gets pretty crazy. Well, that's kind of a picture of what we have of Satan. If you just consider that he knows his time is up, it's coming. He knows that. So what can he do to make an impact, to do anything, to hurt God's people. Well, he wants to keep people away from faith in Jesus. That's the one thing he can hold on to. He has come to steal and kill and destroy, steal your joy, kill your hope, destroy your faith. He wants you far from God. That's all he's got because he knows his time, man, it is coming. His time is going to be up. In the meantime, God wants to give as many people as possible. This is why he has not sent Jesus again. He wants as many people as possible to know his love and have relationship with him and to know forgiveness and have the power of the Holy Spirit within him. He wants every opportunity for more people to know him, for more people to say, you know what? I think I'm going to join God's family. Jesus paid for this with His life, and I'm not going to turn it down. What did the scriptures say earlier from First Timothy? God wants all people to be saved. That's His desire. That's His desire. So meanwhile, yes, life is hard. I do not deny that. But hard things like this stupid virus that I pray that God does heal. I pray that God does stop. I pray that the doctors and researchers figure out a cure now. I pray all those things. But in the meantime, the accuser, Satan, wants to accuse God to you. Be on to his tricks. Be on to his schemes. Be on to his ploy. Think about what Satan wants to say in these kind of uncertain situations. He wants to accuse God to you. Hey, if God was real, come on, man. Why wouldn't God stop this? I mean, God could just flip the switch and be gone. I mean, apparently, if there is a God, he's not very powerful. Or if there is a God, I mean, how could you say that God is love when he doesn't stop this, when he allows such suffering, Satan tries to take advantage of anything and everything to keep you, to keep us from trusting in Jesus. Why? Because the game isn't over. There's still time on the clock. Satan hates God. Satan can't stand Jesus, but Satan knows the clock is counting down. So what options does the accuser have? Like I said, he knows the game is lost, so the only satisfaction he can get is keeping as many people away from the love of God. Any temptation, anything that he can throw you off or distract you from the purpose that God has given you, he wants to do. He knows that you are equipped by the Holy Spirit, that you are gifted by the Holy Spirit to do something that nobody else can do. So he wants you off track. That's all Satan has left to do, but he is not rolling over. God is always multiple steps ahead. God's the screenwriter. He's the director, the author. He's written the story, and he knows how it ends. He's even given us clues in his Bible, in the book of Revelation, and Satan is just looking over for some hints of how he can disrupt anything that God has said, this is happening. And when God says, this is happening, it is done. So when something tragic and scary and terrible happens and it impacts the entire world, God will use it. Though it is true that God could just stop it, and I pray that God chooses that, as I said. But if God doesn't, God is bigger than the worst thing. God will find a way to draw people to him. How is God going to do that? How can God do that? One is this. Fear can be a wake up call, a reality check. Most people who have not yet given Jesus a legitimate shot have been cruising through life. Something sometimes as bad as this, and it's bad. I'm not saying it's good, I'm just saying that God is bigger than the worst things that happen. Understand, when Christ returns and all is perfect, and all is restored, and all is healed, all is forgiven, and no more tears, no viruses, no cancer, no illnesses, there will be no racism, no hatred, there will be no abuse of power or corruption, no jealousy, no gossip, none of it. So as I pray that God removes this virus, but even if God doesn't, God will use it to help these people, some of them who are on cruise control to wake up. And guess what? Some will, and you need to be praying for those people. Some who've entrusted their lives to money and comfort and control and intellect and status will realize that they can't always count on those things. The virus, I don't think is going to be very picky. And I know the virus of sin has contaminated every person, rich, poor, no matter skin tone or language, country, culture. We, we all have it. So for the coronavirus, I'm so grateful for the people working on a cure. That gift that they have is so important. Working on a vaccine. I'm praying for them to get it done quicker than anyone is predicting. But I'm also praying for those people who've put their faith and trust in things other than God. I'm praying God desires that they are saved. That is God's desire. So I'm praying that those people will seek God, that they will seek truth, that they will ask, Hey, God, if you're there, I want to know. Make yourself real to me. So what do we do? What do people who have put their faith and trust in Jesus, even though we still today do not love the Lord our God with all our heart, All our soul, all our strength, and all our mind, even though we don't love our neighbor as ourselves nearly as much as we should. During this time, I'll give you these 10 things that we're going to go through just a little bit. Number one is this, is remember remember who God is. Each and every day, remember what Christ Jesus has done for you, and not just for you, but for your neighbor. Not just for your neighbor, but for your relative. And Not just for your relative, but the person across the city on the other side of town. And not just for that person, but the people in the states next to us. And Not just for them, but for the other countries. The people who have not yet heard of Jesus' name. When Jesus came, he came for all of them. That is God's desire. Pray for them, but remember what he has done for you. He died for you. He made a way for you to have relationship with him. He has put his Holy Spirit in you. Remember what he's done. Remember what he's going to do. Now, those memories, if you can remember the times that Jesus has been just a little bit extra real to you, remember those times. Remember when he's spoken something specifically to your heart. Through the spirit or through another person or through a message or through a song, remember those times. Those memories are to lead you to number two, which is this, praise God. Praise God. How can we praise God in such an uncertain time as this? Because of who he is, because of his perfection, because of his compassion, because of his promises. He is on the throne and he is moving human history to exactly where he wants it to be culminating in the ultimate victory. And what we can look forward to, we can praise him for today. He is with us today. Hear that promise. Know that promise. He is with you today day, no matter how bad it is, no matter what it looks like, so you can still praise him for that. Number three is this, read, read God's story, open your Bible or your Bible app and read, listen to it on audio, do whatever you've got to do just to read and hear and understand God's story. See, God's word is the great corrective to fear ...and to doubts and to anxiety. It is the great corrective when we get overrun and overwhelmed with what the accuser wants us to forget... Remember that sin tendency in us, that default that gets those doubts and those worries and those anxieties in there that makes us fear that, man, God is not going to see us through this or God is going to abandon us or whatever those things are. When we get back to God's word, we are reminded and it just sort of activates the Holy Spirit to remind us of those promises. That's number three. Number four, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. What did we learn from our good friend and sister in Christ, Casey Harris at One San Antonio? A pretty simple way to hear the voice of Jesus. Ask yourself, are you a child of God? Say, am I a child of God? The spot where you hear yes, is where you'll you'll hear Jesus say something more. You can ask yourself, just as you're trying to tune in to the Holy Spirit who is inside of you, who wants to speak to you not just once a week, not just once a month, but wants to speak to you every day, ask yourself this, will Jesus ever abandon me? The answer is no, you're going to hear it in your heart. You're going to hear it in your head. That place where you hear that yes, that you're a child of God, that same place where you hear no, he will never leave you, is also the place where we say, okay, Jesus, speak to me through your Holy Spirit. Is there something you want to show me? A picture? A word? Is there something you want to tell me? I'm just going to listen. So listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. You got it? Am I a child of God? Yes. Jesus, do you want to say something to me right now? And listen. Number five, we said five, six, and seven is going to be pray. Pray for others. This is a time to pray for others, pray for your family, pray for your neighbors, pray for those that are in authority, pray for those that are working on the cure. Now, again, you want to ask God, I am listening. I'm not just listening just to be assured by God. Now I'm still listening and saying, okay, is there something you want me to do right now to help show your love and compassion and kindness? Is there a certain person that you want me to reach out to now? You Pray for those doctors. Pray for those nurses, those researchers. Pray for the governing authorities around the world, around your city, around your state, around our nation. Pray for a single country other than ours. God will lead you to pray. Say, God, there are people around this world globally that are impacted. Give me one country that I can pray for. And then listen, watch for a person that God brings to your attention or watch for uh, just whatever picture God might give, or he might give you a word of a country that he wants you to pray for and pray for those people. All right, that's number five. Number six is also pray. Pray for yourself now. And this is what I mean. Pray for kindness. Pray for compassion. Pray for patience. As you go to the grocery store or wherever you may need to go, you are a light in a scared world. You represent the sacred heart of Jesus in a scared, hurting place. So you want to reflect that kindness and love as much as possible. And so you're going to need his help for that. Number seven is this. Give thanks. Give thanks. One day, all sickness will be gone. All hurt, all tears gone. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done. Thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for what you will do. The world is changing every day, but you never change. Also in Hebrews, you are the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, the Lord Jesus. I put my trust in you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. I thank you that you'll never abandon me. I thank you that you've given me your Holy Spirit. There are so many things to thank him for. I thank him for my family. I thank him for my friends. I thank him for my church. I thank him for my coworkers. I thank him for just so many things that we can thank him for now. I thank him for the neighbors. I thank him for our our city. So you can give him thanks Whether through life, through death, my problems, through my gifts, my talents, through my hard circumstances or my abundance, you are Lord, so I am yours. Use me as you decide to bring you glory and honor, whatever that looks like. Thank you. and Because of Jesus, I pray those things. And here we go. Number eight is this. You listen not just to be comforted but because Jesus will want you to do something. And so you want to listen to what he's telling you to go and do. Even if that means texting and reaching out to someone, if it's not literally going somewhere, there's something that he's going to instruct you to do. And you want to be attuned to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do. And that's number 10. But number eight is go. Number nine is obey. We've been talking about In the Simple Man Bible Study, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. He is going to instruct you, even if it's just as simple as love your husband, love your wife, be patient, be kind. He is going to remind you something that you need to hear. So obey, do whatever he tells you. And then number 10, just along with that, is just do. Go, obey, do. What does he need you to do? Sometimes he's going to tell you, you know what I want you to do right in this moment is to pray. Sometimes he's going to tell you right in this moment, what I want you to do is just sit, be still, and listen. Just be still and listen. Let's not scurry around getting frantic running around. Sometimes when he tells you to do something, it's just, hey, Steve, just sit and praise me. Sit and give me thanks. So that's the message that I feel like God has put on my heart to share with you today. I want you to know, though, no matter what, you are loved by God. You are loved by Jesus. He wants all people to be saved. He wants all people to experience this freedom. He wants all people to hear his voice. So I pray that today, even as we go off the air in just one minute, I want you to pray and listen Jesus, what do you want to tell me? And Jesus, what do you want me to do? Here I am, coach. Put me in. I'll close with our scripture. This is where Very Bold Ministries comes from. It's from 2 Corinthians 3.12. The Apostle Paul wrote about the amazing hope that we have. And I want you to understand this hope. Paul wrote this. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com